My friends, you know, in 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul tells us to run your race in such a way to get the prize. And, you know, I, I love to think about that metaphor because I don't know what your prize is. Sometimes the prize is your, your business, you're running a business, and sometimes it's just keeping up with your family and raising children, and sometimes you have a, a mission of what you want to accomplish in life. And I think the race could mean so many things. Angelique and I are doing all of those things, but one of the things that's most important and in order constant. And constant, constant, yeah. In order to be successful in whatever that race may be, is taking care of the vessel that gets you there. Now, Paul had traveled all over, uh, all over Europe and Asia, and uh, certainly through the Mediterranean. Um, body was put through a lot of things: snake bites and uh, shipwrecks and imprisonment and. You know, longevity is one of those things that we want to talk to you about today. We want to talk to you about how you can keep your body, your temple healthy for the long run. And, um, you know, Angelique and I sacrificed a big part of our body early on. When I say sacrifice, meaning we just trained so hard in our 20s. And we're kind of paying the price for that now. And so as we get ready to unwrap this special episode of Turned On today, I want you to think about what you're going through in your body no matter what stage you're at, if you're at the, if you're in your 20s and you're just starting to lift and doing some things, or maybe you're like us and you're kind of in that middle age group and you're like, wow, you know, what can I do to stay healthy and stay on in shape? We're going to unwrap that all for you coming up here on the Turned On Podcast with a very knowledgeable and special guest who's really going to light you guys up in a way that I think you're going to really benefit from this today. So stick around. This is the Turned On Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Turned On Podcast. I'm Angelique Nori and my husband David and I have made it our mission to break the darkness by flipping the switch on the four most important areas of your life in health, relationships, business, and in faith. Sometimes the light in the world and in your life can go dim, either from the intrusion of technology or simply because society is so driven by instant gratification. It's our mission to help people see that we're hardwired for connection and that the best things in life come when we turn on the light to see with new eyes the opportunity that exists just a flip away. So if you're ready to stir your spirit, open your eyes, and profit in all areas of your life, then let's get turned on. Here we go. Yeah. That's right. Here we go. And I'm looking at my beautiful wife, Angelique, and... Squatting on the floor well, here in the closet. <laughs> I've always admired your physique, you know, and, and it's ironic that in the intro you say sometimes, you know, <clears throat> we, we, we sacrifice and we look for instant gratification. Yeah. And although I think you and I, looking back on our, our physical fitness careers, I was a personal trainer for over two decades, taught group fitness, um, you being a professional martial art, artist... We try to do everything in the right way, mm. but sometimes um, sometimes science and technology uh, comes late, and we are kind of paying the price for that now, mm. and we're, we're looking to rejuvenate our bodies. Mm, yeah, and we're excited to have this guest today because one of the things that I really admire about, uh, about him is he takes a completely different approach to the, the strength and conditioning of our bodies, and it's one for the long term. You know, So David started the podcast about running your race. And running our race ultimately is a really long one. We want one that takes us as as long as possible in our bodies, in our temples. And, um, you know, 
the thing is, is there's just so many things out there that can intrude into our daily lives that become distractions or maybe different things for us to try. But maybe from a long-term perspective, it's lacking. You know, it doesn't have exactly what it, our bodies need in order to, to run the race. And so this guy, his bio literally is as long as my arm. So I'm going to try to keep it, <laughs> I'm going to try to keep it short, but poignant. So you understand his, just his credibility. Um, he's actually located in my hometown in Tampa, Florida. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Uh, but he uh, is, he's a performance specialist and strength can, strength and conditioning um, for, he did the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tampa Bay Devil Rays, uh, minor league program, as well as director of the sports and performance for uh, tennis academies out there locally. And he became the director of strength and conditioning for the University of Tampa. No big deal. And during that time, he was also the director of sports. This is all one time, you guys, for the MLS Tampa Bay Mutiny. So can I can I just tell you before you finish that? Is, no. So we, yeah. have, we have a personal uh, I, I met our guest when he was at the University of Tampa. And and I remember he was doing stuff back then uh, before the well, we say turn of the century, but it really was. I mean, it's 1998, <laughs> 99. Right. He was doing stuff back then that is really popular right now in terms of yeah. movement and kinesiology and Ahead in terms of, of time. flexibility. And at the time, this is when people were just like benching and you know, squatting. And it was it was still rather primitive, even though it wasn't that long ago. And I remember watching him going, whoa, this mm-hmm. is a completely different philosophy. And um, yeah. and we got reconnected through a, a podcast guest of ours recently, Brian Tolberg, who is a major league pitcher. And Brian said that, you know, this this guy's been coming out to his young people and just showing them things that's totally changing their bodies yeah. and their longevity. Well, that's what's so cool about him because, um, you know, I I spent some time in orthopedics, but this gentleman here he's he's also developed okay developed and added as as a division of the Musculoskeletal Institute, which was established by the Florida Orthopedic Institute, a very large and infamous um, orthopedic institute in the southern region. Um, he's driven to develop training systems that are centered on the practical application of highly effective, scientifically based, orthopedically backed, and performance driven systems. So think about that. Like, I'm going to have him explain a little bit more what that means because it's over my head in so many different ways. But orthopedically sound and driven um, ways of moving our body. Because, again, like David said, I'm paying the price. He's paying the price for years and years and years of... My shoulders are a mess. Your <laughs> yeah. knees are a mess. Yeah, abusing our bodies, so to speak. If we would have had some orthopedically uh, driven exercises before we totally got Totally different game. Way. But hopefully it's not too late. So I just want to say welcome. <laughs> welcome to our Turned On Podcast. Rafael Ruiz is with us today. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to come talk to you guys. I think it's a, what you guys are doing is a beautiful thing, and it's something that this world definitely needs. Well, oh, thank you. We we can't wait to tap into your your knowledge, and I'll start with this question. Um, you know, there's been so much. We know that the fitness world is is one of trends. And whether it be food, you know, I remember back in the day it was like eat carbs, then it was fats are bad, then it was no fats, then it was yes, we need fats, and, you know. <laughs> and if we look at the movement and what we see is, remember P90X back then, uh-huh. then there was Insanity, uh-huh. and then there's CrossFit, now there's 75 Hard. <laughs> so our, our question for you, at what point has all this... I'd like a 75 easy, please. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> at what point, Raph, has all this confused people, maybe, um, in terms of... In terms of longevity, which is what we're going to talk about, and being healthy as a, as a whole, 
Um, where do you stand on all that thing and where we're at now? Well, I'll be the first person to tell you when I was, when I was younger and in, in my day and age, the only thing that was really readily available was, was bodybuilding mm-hmm. and growing up, reading all the bodybuilding magazines and so on and so forth. And, and I was doing martial arts and playing football. And to give you a background, when I started as a transition coach at Sam Houston state, I remember the position coaches and the head coaches literally shoving it down our throats that your job is measured by how strong you can get the football players. Wow. And we did our standard bench press, incline press, cleans and squats. And that was, you know, I took it to heart. I ran with it and we went out and we, we did our best job and we had put up some unbelievable numbers. And this was my first year, um, actually second year as, as a hired coach. And I remember being so happy about getting the guys stronger and then having everything completely crash mm. when I saw that a lot of those numbers didn't help my guys play football better. Mm. And it was a huge eye opener for me because I'm, I'm what I would call naturally rebellious. Yeah. And so for me, I immediately. <laughs> After my own heart. <laughs> yeah. And I bucked the system and I said, hold on. I go, if you're telling me that my job is to get somebody's squat numbers higher, but it, there, there comes a point of diminishing returns where all of a sudden this person isn't playing better football. He just had yeah. his butt you know, it's handed to him and he got laid backwards in pancakes. So I, I went back and I said, you know what, I, I've got to take a different approach, forget what everybody else is doing. And now what I started to do was to work backwards. I said, well, let's go to the film room and tell me why this defensive back is getting burned. Why is this defensive lineman not doing his assignment? Why is, and fill in the blanks. And it was just a, for me, an eye-opener because I started to sit there and go, well, why can't that person do that skill? Why can't this person display that ability? And I started to work backwards. I started Mm. to say, hey, if I can get that person to do this, then it doesn't matter how much they can squat. And and again, football's different because you got to have a little lead in your pants, so to speak, and have some weight behind you. But for the most part, what I found out is 99% of all, all success in sports is really based off of your ability to display, effectively display skills. Yeah. And if you can't do that, then all of the weight room numbers really don't matter. It's so and true. So that became a driving force for me. Well, you think, you know, it's and it's just the school of thought, you know, of so many people uh, it's somewhat of an indoctrination, you know, of believing that, like you said, it's about how strong you can get them. But if they can't move <laughs> and they can't be more effective with their skill, I mean, what good is that? And and ultimately, I think that's what it comes down. I mean, I was a, I was a student of bodybuilding as well, um, but I was also a martial artist first. And it was such an interesting shift for me to go from, you know, with a martial arts um, movement and philosophy to the bodybuilding world and just you know seeing a, a you know difference in my body but at the same time less flexibility you know more pain uh more uh you know highs and lows in terms of results and 
there's just so many different things there that lacked consistency um, for the the long term. And so, you know, going back to everything now, looking back, I'm like, I, I'd much rather be doing martial arts. Yeah. You know, well, what's- 100%. And, and to circle back to answer Dave's question is um, what I've learned in, in my career is that if, if people are getting really confused, they number one have to understand that all of these programs that go out there are businesses. Mm. They are driven by developing a profit. So, so true. you have to take that with a grain of salt. So everybody is going to tout this latest, greatest thing. Mm-hmm. But again, the touting is a way for them to make money. So what I've learned over the course, and you can kind of to figure out the old guard is everything works. You just have to figure out where to plug and play certain modalities that are going to, you just have to figure out, okay, why does this work? If I use this protocol, what are the positives? What are the negatives? And then as a coach, your experience will dictate, okay, I could plug that into this guy. I might not be able to plug it over here because he has bad knees, but that protocol will develop this positive, positive, positive result. Mm. And so your job is to negate any of the negative effects, and your job is to accentuate all the positive of whatever modality that you choose to do. Okay. Let's talk about then as we as we as we take that thought and we go into movement and I want to apply this both to athletes because we're going to talk to athletes but we're going to talk to what we call Angelique and I call like the ham and eggers or the people you know the couch <laughs> potatoes or whatever you want to call it the person that's sitting there going I just spent the last two years indoors on lockdown and yeah. my, my body changed real quick and I'm I'm not really moving as well so I saw a video the other day Raph of a um, of a big time bodybuilder and he was throwing mitts and you just it's not the same. Like you can't just because you have big muscles, it doesn't mean you're going to be a great boxer because it's more about speed and flexibility and movement. And he just looks so stiff and in physics. Right. (laughs) And I remember when I went to go swing a baseball bat or play basketball after years of lifting, I just felt like a, a complete, uh, oaf. Like I, I felt like I couldn't move and I had no coordination. And then we take that and go to somebody like my mother who is, you know, who is retired and spends a lot of time, she loves doing dishes for some reason, right? And <laughs> and we talk about functionality, and I told her, Mom, you got bad back problems because you spend a lot of time at that kitchen sink. And even me with back lower back problems, when I spend time at that kitchen sink, just the posture of it, um, I, I get about 10 minutes and my back is hurting so bad I have to sit on the ground and but stretch. But why? The, the question well, that's is what why. we're going to ask yeah. Raph here is, is – whether we're talking about high-powered athletes or we're talking about people who are just, just trying to, to do things around the house to function, yeah. how can we steward our bodies to, to last? Well, the number one thing is as we get older, what we've found is we've, we forgot to move. Amen. We forgot how beautiful the human body is. We forgot about the unbelievable exponential amount of degrees of freedom that the human body can do. You guys have young kids just watching them Mm -hmm. do these movements. And you're just like, that is amazing. But somewhere down the road, as our responsibilities build up, as all of our workloads build up, Mm -hmm. we we just forget to be kids. We forget to move like kids. We forget that our bodies literally were intended to move and move in robust ranges of motion. Oh, such a revival. Gosh. Do you want to hear an alarming statistic? You want to hear something that's going to explain a lot of this? Go ahead. Think about this. According to the American Heart Association, sedentary jobs have increased 
83% since the 1950s. Do you think there might be an agenda there? <laughs> when you're talking about not, and this has affected us, Angelique. Yeah. You know, when we were, when you were training at a school for 10 years, you were a martial arts on your feet all day. All day. I was a personal trainer. <laughs> I taught seven to eight classes um, a week in addition to being on my feet training people. Then we went into uh, a different thing where I'm writing books and I'm mm-hmm. sitting there yeah. for hours on end. Even now, we do most of our work from a computer or a phone, and we look at each other and go, we're not moving. But, guys, think about this. I'll repeat it. 83% increase in sedentary jobs since the 1950s. That's scary. You think technology might have something to do with that? (sighs) Everything's so much. Raph, where do you think that, like, the intrusion of technology comes in here? Because um, you you talked about just looking at movement in children and – you know, our daughters are both, uh, two Two of our daughters are in martial arts now. And um, I got to tell you, I don't know if it's just where we are or what, but um, the lack of athleticism in some of this, this youth is alarming to me. I, I, 100%. I, alarming. I, and, and what I try to tell people is I use the escalator as a perfect example. The escalator should increase productivity as opposed to feed laziness. Right, totally. And so in certain instances, it's human nature. We have to fight against that cultural human nature just mm-hmm. to be lazier. So the more the more things that we have at our disposal, so I'm sitting here at my desk and I've got a computer, a phone, I've got a portal and I've got a printer. I literally can mm-hmm. sit here in this little space and not move for the next 10 hours Mm. um, is that a good thing it's great for productivity in a short term but it's not great for productivity in a long term so so in that regard this technology has we have to be very very smart about what what technology will skew us towards and and it to me technology can be a great thing and people can use it for amazing amazing things Mm -hmm. but it can also it can also feed the animal that, that is inside of us, which is that, that really lazy, don't want to move, and I don't really feel like doing anything. Yeah, we're hedonistic in that regard. You know, it's just taking, 100%. Yeah, taking the easy way out. But we still want to keep things simple enough that the average bear could do it. You know, we're, not everybody is going to be an elite athlete that, is, that their career uh, depends on long-term mobility and functionality. And performance. So when you think about people uh, that are like, well, that was never really a life philosophy for me. How can we keep it simple enough for them without giving them the way to take the easy way out? I mean, everything is a binary decision. And uh, there's another perspective here. There's a global review representing that 47% of the global adult population found that the average person sits down for anywhere from 4.7 to six and a half hours a day. Just sitting, sitting. I don't want to be in that stat, man. I don't want to be in that stat. So Talk to us, Raph, like, what what would you say, you know, because not everyone can, you know, can work with you personally <laughs> as much as we all like to. Um, what would you tell, you know, our listeners that if, whether it's three or five things or maybe it's some arbitrary number, but what are some things that people can do right now that are simple enough to start working towards like orthopedically sound and um, functional movement um, that can take you know, take them, take them up a degree higher every single day. If we're talking about just, just my, my, uh, my category of, you know, I just want to be 
in the best possible position to help other people, mm. which includes my kids. I really would start with a, a change in, in global thought, mm. such as one of the things that we like to do with my family, with, with all of our athletes, is what we call if-then operate conditioning. Mm. And so something as simple as making better choices. And so what we would do is if you do this, then, and then the then, you can fill in the blank with either a positive or negative. And the positive or negative is really dependent on the, the person receiving the message. So if, David, you hate running, running long distance, you could easily say, hey, you know what? If I do 10 pull-ups this morning, then fill in the blank would be, I don't have to run two miles this afternoon. Mm -hmm. And something as simple as that, and you can scale that as much as you want. If your mom wants to do the dishes, then she will do, and you could do something as simple as for every dish, do one full squat. Oh, wow. Hold on to the counter, drop your butt as low as you can possibly go, pain-free, and then stand up. And it could be something as simple as that. If you don't do that, then I'm going to, and, and for us, we like to always fill in the blank with a uh, what we call a positive negative or a negative positive. You could do something, uh, and we just talked with this at our baseball seminar, um, you could, with say, for instance, with the kids, I will ramp up Raider's homework, and he will have to do, because he's homeschooled, so we'll do six lessons a day, and then which is more than what I really want him to do. Mm -hmm. But I'll say, hey, if you, something that he hates to do physically is stretch. He just doesn't want to do it. He's a 10-year-old. And so in that regard, I say, hey, if you stretch this evening, then tomorrow you only have to do five lessons in school. Oh, that's good. And then it becomes a win-win for everybody. That's really so good. Just that, that global shift really, and it helps him make decisions. And it you helps catch him. Go ahead. No, I was, I was sorry. Did you catch his name? Raider. Yeah. That's How great cool is that? That's a cool name. <laughs> <laughs> when Brian told me that, I'm like, that kid's got, you know, he's going you gotta, somewhere. You got to live up to that name. <laughs> so Raph, I really love what you said and just kind of reiterate and repeat because it bears repeating for our listeners. The if then statement with a positive negative or negative positive. Um, for me, the one that stood out was if I do something that I perceive as negative, in my mind, like like in Raider's case, like he doesn't feel like stretching. Then the reward is something that's positive for him still, um, but it it feels easier, right? It feels like yeah. less of a load. So just it bears repeating. Like if you were to give the formula, just the formula itself, repeat this first thing because I think this was a really brilliant um, way for people to start thinking globally. It's just literally a way to work on and, and to improve all of ours, not just the kids, but everybody's yeah. everybody's decision-making skills. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to do a if-then operant conditioning. So if I do something that benefits me or if I choose to, to remove something that I know is hindering my development and my growth, then I can either reward that with something positive or I can remove something negative. Mm, so good yeah and that really and like i said play around with it we we've done millions of things like something as simple as i could 
I could easily be like, you know what, guys, if you if you do an amazing job on these drills, then we will remove what we call the the um, kind of the the, the gut wrench, um, the, the success that we had planned for the <laughs> for the back half of the workout. And so the in that regard, fest. immediately guys will dial in and they'll go, oh, okay, I don't want to do that. So. Mm-hmm. And if they end up doing it, which 99.9% of the time, you'll get more intent and more effort. And, and that's the, the biggest win that we could ever get from, from no matter what athlete, doesn't matter if you're, you're trying to be the next Olympian or major league baseball superstar, or you just want to be, you know, the best lawyer and dad that you can possibly. No doubt. I hear two things out of that. First is that everything's basically a binary decision. You know, like I can take the stairs or I can take the escalator. It's a very simple way of putting it. But everything is a yeah. binary decision and where the, the the fork in the road is essentially for your long-term goal, vision, mission, whatever. And two, we can do hard things, even when yeah. we think we can't. And it's just because, you, like you just said, they'll dial in 99% of the time because Absolutely. you put them up to a test that says, then you won't have to blank. And I, I mean, gosh, I'm going to use this in our business. In, like I just think this is awesome. Okay, so that's the first thing. Um, I don't know how many things you have, but you know, again, the other two lots of- really. The other two tie in together. One is the global feeling of obligation and opportunity, mm. and that's something that we struggle with all the time. And and I don't care who you are. Um, I I will tell you that most people are motivated either by obligation or either by opportunity. Mm. Um, but what I always tell everybody is learn how to manipulate both within your own headspace. Meaning, I'm obligated, in my opinion, to my son to take what's in my head and help him to be in the best position to accomplish his goals and his dreams. Yes. So that's an obligation. So for me, my obligation for my health and, and well-being is I want to be able to to demonstrate. I want to be able to say, hey, Raider and Zia, my daughter, this is what you need to do to develop speed. This is what you need to do to be able to develop, um, to punch harder, to kick harder, to throw harder. So those are all things my obligation drives me because I feel like, you know what, I, I still got a lot left in the tank and I want to be able to be obligated that that's to me something that I, I hold dearly but the other one is the opportunity um, oftentimes we forget sometimes we forget that there is an opportunity to do something amazing with our kids sometimes we forget oh you know what I I should I should work out but I'm so tired but you know what I would love to go out there with my spend some time with my daughter and my son and just doing some fun. Hey, let's jump around. Let's pretend like we're rabbits. Hey, on this one, let's gonna. You know, we just got done watching Sonic the Hedgehog. So next thing you know, in the weight room, we're rolling around the mat like Sonic the Hedgehog. Mm. And so there's all of these things that making sure that, and and, and that's a fluid term. Sometimes I want to motivate myself. I need to motivate myself with obligation. Sometimes I need to motivate myself with opportunity. And being able to have that perspective are very, very powerful tools to for, for any athlete. Well, what you just said there, and I pictured you guys bouncing around like rabbits and rolling around like Sonic the Hedgehog, but um, 
just reminds me that how complicated we make movements because we've we've essentially been conditioned that a workout right something effective that's going to make me fitter right in a more vain sense it has to look a certain way be a certain amount of time in a certain setting whereas ultimately a turned on body um, is is moved, nourished, and hydrated, <laughs> and Absolutely. and what you just explained is one of the ways to move it through opportunity, yeah. babe. Well, I'll take I'll take it from a <clears throat> uh, a faith based analogy, and then I'm going to take it through a scientific analogy, and then I'll let Raf comment on on those particular aspects. So when we've talked to people about opening their Bible and getting the Word of God, I said, look, you know. Not every time you open that Bible, mm-hmm. you're going to come away with something spectacular. You might totally. you might go read your Bible 10 times, and three of those times you come away with, wow, I got just what I needed, I understood it. And the other seven, you might come away thinking, you know what? I, I got, don't know. I got nothing. <laughs> but here's the thing. You were, yeah. you were in the Word. Yeah. And even though you don't know if you got something, you did because you were in the Word. And I compare that to being in the gym or moving. You might say, I'm going to exercise 10 times this this month. Yeah. And out of those 10 times, you might've got three workouts. Like, wow, I was on point. I was sweating. I got a great pump. And the other times you might leave the gym going, I don't know if I did anything worthwhile, but the fact of the matter is you were in there moving. So Mm -hmm. I want you guys to think about that, about it doesn't have to be the best one. Every time you just have to be in the word to get your spirit right. And you have to be moving to get your body right. Which is like batting three hundred versus a thousand. <laughs> yeah, and, and when we when we talk about movement from a scientific standpoint, you know, one of the greats of all time, uh, Albert Einstein, he says nothing happens until something moves. Mm. I mean, it's so simple, right? Uh, another one said the primary and most beautiful of nature's qualities is motion, and then Sir Isaac Newton says this one you've heard before. A body at motion stays in motion. A body at rest stays at rest. And so what happens is we have become sedentary. And when we look at our little daughter, she wakes up first thing in the morning. Does she walk out? No. No. The little girl at two sprints out, right? (laughs) When you ask a kid to do something, it's almost like they can't stop moving. And us as adults go, I wish I had that kind of energy. Sometimes it's just about what happens is your your metabolism slows down when you're at the desk all day. And it's it's just the switch. It's just that on switch saying, if I go out there and start moving, it's amazing how your body will react yeah. and say, hey, you know what? Ten minutes ago, I felt like taking a nap, but now I could actually do something. Mm. What do you think about Our that? Unbelievable. Movement Movement is medicine. We've, we've said that from day one, and a lot has changed about, when you talk about science and technology, a lot has changed about how we view the the human body. And one of the, the major things that has changed over the last, I, mean, I would say within the last 10 years, is, is tendinopathy and how we address that. And back in the day, it was like, okay, if you have tendinitis, don't do anything. Let's yeah. put you in a sling, let's bed rest. But now we know that, you know, you've got to drive movement, you've got to drive blood flow, you've got to drive compression, you've got to literally force things to move and be smart about it but the bottom line is you got to move you know that just the the auto regulation of brain chemistry i would say is the number one thing that that we 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 miss when we stop moving you know there's just something to be said about getting your endorphins going getting your serotonin moving getting your melanin production going to just and mm. it doesn't happen until we get big outputs of blood flow 
Wow. That's 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 key so right there. key. And think about how much of that just even the last couple of years that people missed out on, um, which then, you know, created a, a, just a downward spiral of habits. And it's hard for people to get back back in. When you talk about the, the regulation of brain chemistry, mm-hmm. I mean, if you don't regulate that, you you start to create mental habits. You start yeah. to create. How do I deal with other people? How do I how do I react in certain situations? And all of that becomes habits. People forget those are mental habits mm-hmm. that now all of a sudden I get snippy, I get snarky, I get short tempered. And you you do that for for a couple of days, you do that for a couple months, you do that for two years of COVID, and next thing you know, we've got a pretty nasty epidemic of of young people who just don't know how to calm and pause their soul. Wow. I tell you what, if you were reading a book right now, if this was a book, now would be the time that you take out your highlighter and yeah. highlight it and you, and you dog ear that <laughs> 32 page. 32 minutes. 32 minutes and in a box. And you dog ear that page because that right there, I think, is at the gist of why we wanted to talk to you. And Angelique, I know it speaks to us because mm. we think, well, okay, most people say, well, I'm getting older. I'm supposed to slow down. It's part of the natural process. But what we're, what we're forgetting about According is to who? How, <laughs> how it affects the rest of the body. Well, your brain will not be as sharp. Your mood will not be as good. I talked to my doctor and he says, if you want to increase your testosterone, you have to get blood flow. Yeah. You have to get yeah. water. And goes, that's going to help cre- increase your testosterone just as much as anything else. Yeah, I mean, we'll you, just... you got to put a big, heavy bar on your back. And it's just one of those things, like we say it all the time. You know, we have guys with bad knees and bad backs and, you know, guys that we've trained for the last 40 years who are, you know, NFL all pro. And I say, listen, pick up this heavy bar. I'm going to put 300, 400 pounds on the bar. All I want you to do is unrack it. I don't want you to squat. I don't want you to lunge. I don't want you to step up. I want you to feel amazing because you just picked up 400 pounds and just held it there. And the amount of axial loading that occurs and the amount of emergency cascading down through the entire body that says, oh boy, we better start getting stronger Mm. is unbelievable. And just having a rise in testosterone, I mean, just the amount of, wow, I feel awesome because it tails off of what we just talked about you know what maybe you're not going to squat the bar with 400 maybe you say you know what take two of those off i bet i can squat 225 today but you would have never done it if you said you know what my knees hurt my back hurts my hips hurt all of a sudden just opening that bible and reading it and you know what it didn't speak to me then but oh wow now it's starting to speak to me wow so I have a question, and I, I know you have other things you probably want to share, but in regards to this topic, um, I've blown out both of my knees, had them reconstructed, I've had a major foot surgery, I threw out my SI joint in my last pregnancy, I've got some kind of weird old stuff going on in my neck and shoulder that then goes down to my left elbow, and it affects the way that I punch and all this stuff. What do, what do What's the first thing that someone like myself or anybody listening that's just like, I got, but I got stuff going on. Cause it's the first thing you start thinking about is I want to be able to move. But yet when I go move, I'm instantly reminded of my current limitations. So besides the, if then statements and the opportunity or, op, or um, <clears throat> obligation, what do I do 
that's the, like the simple first step, like the, the whole first staircase is in front of me, but I need this simple first step of starting to get past this little by little each day. Um, cause I don't have the, you know, the resources at the moment. I'm like, I, mean, I do, I could just go to the gym, but I don't have a raft in my face saying put 400 pounds on this and just rack it. <laughs> I need to do it by myself. I would immediately, and, and this is, this is my go-to. I would find an amazing yoga instructor. Mm. I would dedicate that time to you. I would say, Angelique, this is my time for for one hour that I'm going to move better. It may not be a lot today, but by week's end, by six week's end, by the end of the year, I'm going to be moving significantly better with the idea that once a week and then one of those complexes that you do in yoga, you will carry through the rest of the week. Okay. Just feeling moving better, again, is start an unbelievable process. Next mm-hmm. thing you know, you're drinking more water. Next thing you know, you're doing, wow, I felt great when I did that stretch. Maybe I should do that again. Maybe it's time to start picking up a couple of weights because my elbows feel okay, because my back and my, my hips feel great. I, I'm a firm, firm believer. Immediately start stretching. Okay. Start moving and stretching. And to me, if I can take take the onus out of me and say, you know what, David, you're my yoga instructor. I am putting my myself in your hands for one hour because every coach needs a coach. Yeah, totally. You know, it's interesting because that- one of those things. Let me do that. Let me just let me just take that have you fill up my cup. Yes, that leads in perfectly so into good. the next thing I wanted to talk about, which. Angelique and I both worked in orthopedic device sales, and one of the one of the main things that we need to talk about is range of motion. Um, my range of motion is, you know, I, I train the wrong way. I'll give you the short Do you version. Have any? Uh, I know the kids tease me about it. They're like, Dad, you can't even come close to touching your toes because I feel like most most back pain is probably related to tight hamstrings, right? Um, and then. I overtrained. I was a really skinny kid, and I overtrained and overcompensated with my shoulders and my neck, um, mm-hmm. doing upright rows and heavy, heavy um, um, shrugs, shrugs. That I had had to have surgery because I had an impingement syndrome because I I had thrown off the balance of. Did you have to have surgery? Well, that's question. one of the questions we're going to ask you: how you feel about surgery, but throwing off the balance of of your body's natural mechanics. And so I've been seeing this app come over my phone. And the other day I was just trying to do some push-ups because I haven't benched in years. So I'm trying to do some push-ups to keep some muscle tone in my upper body. And I saw this app and it said, I don't know if there's a name for it, but on all fours, like if you're on all fours, your knees and your hands, right? And then you reach with one arm underneath underneath your body and you try and grab, you try and reach as far as you can. And then you come up and you kind of do that same, almost that yoga pose where you look up at the sky. I'm and sure you, there's a name for it. Yeah. And, and I just did that 10 times with each arm in between my sets of push-ups. And I did start to feel a little bit more focused on range of motion. So maybe that's where we go next. Range of motion. Um, certainly hamstrings and back, and then um, how do we avoid surgery? Is it possible? When do we know that it, it, we have to get something done? If there's a catastrophic, I, mean, I will say catastrophic in terms of if there's a mechanical failure of a muscular tendon unit, then absolutely, 100%. I would say if, if you're going to fight through things, um, it really puts a lot of hurdles in your way, and, and sometimes 
just getting downtrodden like that, where every single degree of movement, every degree of freedom is gone, then you, I, I would strongly start to, to say, you know what, maybe surgery is going to work better if, if my quality of life would dictate getting surgery. Yeah. So that's a, you know, if, if I can't do my natural things, if I can't, you know, if I can't show my athletes how to do something, if I can't, you know, rack some weights or I can't, you know, move a push, push mop or broom or whatever, mm. then, then obviously I've got to, to make some strong considerations. But with that being said, I, I always put surgery at the very end. I, I yeah. try to exhaust all options. Last resort. I try to, yeah, I try to figure out everything that I possibly can to not get surgery. Um, just to make sure that 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 something that invasive and something going into my body like that is, is the very last thing that I choose to do. Yeah, so good. Um, so we talked. Okay, you've done the if then statements. You've done uh, obligation and opportunity. Um, did you have Did you have something else that you wanted to share, or, or did you? As far as um, like the three, like if as... there's three things to consider every time, you know. Uh, to 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 be on a road to you know longevity and movement and just kind of rehabilitation and functionality all the things that we were talking about. To be honest, I think the the one thing that that we failed in in terms of with with what you and I talked about, you guys and I talked about is I, I never had a long term vision, and a lot of the problems always come up because chasing short-term versus a long-term vision and so going from hey can i bench 300 pounds in the end was that the most important thing and did that change my life absolutely not now starting to look at hey what are some of the things that i can teach my son how can you know how can we avoid some problems how can we ensure that you're putting your best possible foot forward to accomplish your goals and your dreams, so that would be my long-term vision. Extends into mm-hmm. the children, into the, the lives of my children and my athletes. So, I would say the number one thing would be have a long-term plan, have a long-term outcome. Because if not, you'll it's easy to get sidetracked. Mm, it's so true. I mean, it's just it's how long-term vision really turns out and to become natural legacy. You know, <clears throat> for for yourself, for your children, generations. Well, yeah, after you and overdoing it. You know, I I overdid it with my shoulders. I paid the price, still paying the price with arthritis and, and stuff. We know that in martial arts, you guys do so many kicks. How many of your how many of your masters have had to have hip replacements? Many, right? Because many. It was <laughs> over and over. You know, mm-hmm. they might have been really flexible. I mean, if you can kick above your head, flexibility isn't your problem. Right, but yeah. you're still uh, for a young man oh, to have they, a hip they replacement. Lo- they lost their flexibility <clears throat> somewhere along the way. You know, whether it was being done improperly in, in or just overuse. I mean, there's there's something to be said about that too. Because Raph, I mean, martial arts is a wonderful, um, you know, rain, like body in motion uh, sport and discipline. But so many of these guys, I don't, I don't know. I mean, they've they've they got hip replacements. So where's the balance? You know, when you take something like that to a whole other level, where, how do you avoid uh, taking your sport uh, that you love so much in term in, in this regard, martial arts? And then well, well baseball pitchers are the same yeah, way like with their they, arms. Tommy John surgeries are way up because yeah. it, it's what are we just, doing wrong yeah. to get there? Like, how can we make something like that um, a long term vision plan without having to go the extremes? Well, I, this 
this could be an entire discussion all of itself because yeah. it opens a whole different can of worms. I um, we've had numerous discussions about this, and and I I have a couple of short term answers. Uh, number one is I I'm a firm believer that the mistakes that I made in my life in destroying my body, I've made those because it puts me in the best position to be a positive influence on my kids. Explain that. And I have to look back at those and say, you know what? I was stupid. You know what? I'm in pain. You know what? Chasing a 300 you know, pound bench and a 500 pound squat. Yeah, that destroyed me. But I learned so much about it. And now I could be, I could look my son in the eye and say, hey, we're going to get you as strong as you can to a point that we still maintain the number one thing, and that is coordination is king. Mm. That skill acquisition is the number one overreaching goal, should be of every strength and conditioning program for arena-specific athletes. So if what you're doing isn't lending to you fielding a ball or swinging a bat or all of the above, kicking harder, punching harder, if at some point in time that 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 access crosses and it starts to go into a point of diminishing returns, I, I know when to start to back off. I know that because I've made those mistakes. Mm. And so I have to look at it through that lens. Yeah, I was stupid, but boy, I'm going to be an amazing teacher because of my stupidity. Yes. I, I, always, I always take it with a grain of salt somebody who, who doesn't claim to have those same mistakes. Because I just don't trust you. I, I, it, it's interesting because we had a discussion, um, Adam Nelson and I, who's a, a former gold medalist, and we talked about, okay, make sure that you, with your young athletes, are putting the journey ahead of these just winning the gold medal. Mm-hmm. And, and there were these great presentations, and everybody talked about, wow, you know, looking back, I wish I would have spent more time um, appreciating the people around me. I wish I would have um, appreciated the moments as opposed to just going after the gold medal. And, and I posed an interesting question and I said, would you have pushed yourself as hard if you were a 16-year-old kid focusing on the journey? And, and everybody on the panel looked me square in the eye and said no. And I said, but that's, that's part of growing up. Mm-hmm. that's part of what we have to do as parents be there to be that safety net of saying, you know what, Raider, go, go and, and set your hair on fire and you, you be passionate and you go do the things that you feel you want to do. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be here to say, you know what, maybe that's not the best decision, but we have to be careful about quenching that fire. We have to be very careful about destroying somebody's confidence. We have to, sometimes we have to be there to let them make those certain mistakes. But again, I want to be that safety net to prevent a catastrophe. Awesome. I think that yeah. speaks, um, that speaks to parents. We see it. Um, we just went to our kids' first Taekwondo competition and, you know, so much of it, yeah, as a parent, you know, there's so many emotions. You And it was the first time our kids have competed in anything. And so 
I mean, we felt like we were right there. And you want them to win, but at the same time, there was so much value in the disappointment and the lessons being taught. And, you know, so many parents now, and I saw it as a sports reporter, they see these kids because the money's so big. They see these kids as a lottery ticket, yeah. you know, as as their retirement plan. And think about the pressure oh. that puts on on a young man who's, whose whose whole family is counting on him to support everybody. You're right. You're right. Um, and you know what? I'm here to advise people because I've been blessed with uh, enough opportunities to see people go from being starstruck to to having full blown stardom. Mm. Um, and the very first thing that I always tell parents and parents come in, they go, Hey, you know, my, my, my 12 year old is, is throwing 75 miles an hour, or, you know, my son just broke these swimming records or they run this fast and, and, and this is going to be the next Olympian or this person. And I, and I tell people, I, I will be very truthful with them. And I will say, you have to understand that if you are choosing this route looking into the child's eyes and then being very conscious to look into the parent's eyes and saying, if you choose this route, you will run the car into the dirt. Wow. There, there is no way about it there. I've never met a highly, highly overachieving, high accomplished athlete that didn't just wear the tires into the ground. It just, it won't happen. And I, and I tell people this, I say, I don't say this to dissuade you. I, I tell you this as a realist. We've never had an Olympian who at the end of their journey was like, wow, I feel great. Yeah. And so I, I want people to understand that if, if you're fortunate and God blessed enough to have that opportunity, you, you have to understand that you, you will, you will burn the candles at both ends. And, yeah. and you're not going to come out of that, the other end of the tunnel. And it, it's not going to be the journey you think that it's going to be. Am I telling you not to do it? No, absolutely not. I, if that's your dream and that's your passion, then, then do it. But understand the reality is this, is that car is going to be broken yeah. coming out the back end. And, and our job is to make sure that, that there, there's as much of a positive experiences we can possibly get that you're gonna you're gonna take your your fame and your fortune and you're gonna do something amazing with it versus the journey of hey i signed my first multi-million dollar contract and and i don't know what to do with that versus you know we we've set up and 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 i've I've started a charity i've started a foundation i'm i'm helping the next group of athletes down the ladder i'm helping them up yeah that's why I admire so many of these guys who who do retire early. I think about a Ricky Williams, who you know oh. they, they gave him so many carries, and he was such a workhorse, and he was built he was built differently. Like he looked like he was built to handle the load, but you know he retired early because he wanted something later in life. If you look at somebody, I go back to the old school, and you're from Texas, right? So you go back to a guy like Earl Campbell. Um, you know oh. he can't even walk now. Um, I just saw a picture yeah. yesterday in the in the news. Mike Tyson's in a wheelchair. What? You know, right. yeah, Mike Tyson's been in a wheelchair. He says he doesn't. He doesn't think he has long to live. Now, who knows what, what the reasons are? <laughs> Jeez, I didn't even who know was that. that running back for um, Minnesota? Oh well, well, the one was you have. Uh, yeah, Robert Smith. 
Man, yeah. boy, I pulled that one. That's a sports reporter. I pulled that name. <laughs> Robert Smith retired at the top of his career. Barry Sanders had a lot left to go. And these are two of yeah. the guys that, you know, they could have had millions and millions of more dollars. Um, and, and sometimes we see it in, in the bodybuilding world or in the world of yeah. fitness. You know, Angelique has told people, you, you know, you're going to go for what? Uh, a plastic a, trophy? A plastic trophy. and <laughs> $1,000 a month a, stipend for protein? Like, so many, are you serious? So many of those athletes that we see and admire, when they're on stage posing, they're probably, and they'll admit it, they're as close to being unhealthy and near death as ever when you've depleted your body and you do that over and over and over again. And you keep trying to go to the well, and eventually your your whole your whole body mechanisms get thrown off because you've mm-hmm. been tricking your body for years. That's right. You're right. The body's right. smart. To me, I'm always fascinated by, you know, it's it's the only sport where you you know in competition time you are your unhealthiest. So bizarre. What you a know, bizarre what? thing. It's just so bizarre to even think about. You know, and I went down that route uh, just a couple of times, but it was. I had a bigger mission, you know, the reason I stepped on stage had nothing to do with me wanting to step on stage. So uh, it it was never a, a goal for me um, to be in it to win it. But it's interesting because I needed that experience to to speak on it. Um, Absolutely. And God blessed me immediately. You know, there was the, the interviews and the covers and, you know, all the things that went along with it. But I was like so satisfied uh, with just doing it a few times and just to just to have that you know, experience to be able to be, you know, speak dangerously about, you know, the practices that went into that particular sport. And I'm not here to say to knock it or whatever, but Hey, it's, it's you know, if you're well, think if about, we're talking about this subject, it's going to definitely be uh, controversial. Think, think about the sports that have evolved uh, into competitive sports. And we think about, um, you know, when I was with the, with the newspaper there in Tampa, I had a column called give me 10 and it was my job to go out and try out different things and just kind of, kind of be the guy in the street. And I remember taking my first yoga class, my first hot yoga class there in Tampa. And I remember um, doing some stuff with some MMA guys, you know, and, and trying to find out what that was all about. But do you know, this is interesting, the most challenging thing that I've ever done as a reporter and as what I would call a, a ham and egg or athlete um, was when I did a series on surfers. Mm. And it was the most physically wow. challenging thing I've ever done. And I remember... I immediately remembered a guy named Laird Hamilton. If you've ever uh, seen, Absolutely. I mean, he has an amazing, amazing work ethic and the type of workouts. But when we talk about looking at it from a, a perspective, we started this with run your race. And so much of surfing is becoming one with nature without getting too much into the woo-woo of it. It really is about um, being in the ocean, paddling, uh, balance. It's about you know, having your Timing. mindset there. <laughs> and, and it's incredible. And when we did that in Hawaii, in Hawaii, it was incredibly challenging. Yeah. And so yeah. if you ever get a chance, look up some of those Laird Hamilton workouts. He was a beast. I mean, guys would go with him into Hawaii and they would just be puking all over the place because they couldn't <laughs> keep up with them. I mean, it's a, it's a tried and true formula. You take, um, you know, like I said, I've been very blessed with the opportunity to work with a full spectrum of, of athletes from all walks of life and all arenas. And it, it never fails. It's you always find the guys who are just going to outwork people who are training intently and who just don't quit. They just, they, they run the race and they, they go from, they go from boxing match to boxing match to boxing match. And they just, to me, that's how I always look at it. I look at, 
see when somebody comes to me and they go, hey, you know, what is it going to take for my eight-year-old to be the next Derek Jeter? And I say, listen, this is a long-term plan, but this is, you have to look at it the same way you would look at it as a prize fighter. You you train and you prepare and then you, you slug it out. And then you go back into the gym and you train and you prepare and then you slug it out. You get into a fist fight and that's going to go on for for the duration of your career until you decide that, you know, it's it's not worth it. You've weighed that out and it's just not worth it anymore to you. Hmm. So one last question for you, Raph, before we wrap it up. Just do you think that we're all innately like <clears throat> wired the same in terms of like we're talking about a lot of mental fortitude and these binary decisions and the if thens and the opportunity obligations and, you know, like <clears throat> giving those tools and formulas in your experience in working with whether it's different athletes or people in general, do you is has is there a consistent thread, or do are some people just driven by something entirely different, like next level? I I believe that we would be the average person would be shocked just how much a high level athlete is is dedicated. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think on that same vein the average person would be shocked just how naturally genetically blessed high level athletes are Mm -hmm. Um, that they're never really going to have to work hard to beat us. They, they will just inherently do it. But when you take somebody, you know, it's the Kobe Bryant, the Michael Jordan's, the the Michael Phelps of the world where you take very, very God given abilities and then you pair that up with, headspace and you, you, that's where the magic is, is going to take place um, but I will say that I'm always amazed at the display of, of mental prowess of the average person mm-hmm. because we always forget that if nobody knew David and they were to step into the weight room with David they'd be like wow this guy can get after it but they forget they forget at one point in time, you know, some of us were pretty good athletes and, and, and we worked hard and we charged hard and, and we and we were breathing fire. We just needed to be reminded of that. Yeah. And sometimes we get out of that mental habit. And do I think it's in everybody? No, I, I think that it's been mm-hmm. it's been weeded out. And I think that we're going to go through some major problems over the course of the next couple of generations of of quote unquote physically and mentally weak people raising more physically and, and mentally weak people. So Wow, big highlighter on that one too, you guys. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting because there's there's um there's in surface terms, there's gonna be some heavy waves coming coming down the down the shore in just a little while. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know what I but but it does create separation between the people separations who are continuing to develop that that strong that that strong mind body spirit and everybody else you know what you mentioned kobe and michael and i i immediately went to this book um have you ever read relentless by tim grover you know that is i i've read snippets of it i have not read the whole book so when, when Angelique and I were, were training back in two, 2016, um, it was the first time we ever hired a personal trainer. She's like, let's just take our minds out of it and let's just have somebody tell us what to do. And at the same time, I started reading this book, Relentless, From Good to Great to Unstoppable by Tim Grover. And Tim Grover started out as a 
a strength and conditioning coach, but he be- eventually yeah. became became this mind guru, uh, this sports at where where he said people would call him in the middle of the NBA Finals at halftime, like Tim, I need you to walk me through this. And I always remember some of those things. He was just like, you know, I was being so easy on myself. And I remember the specific quote. He said, one of the guys in my drills uh, threw up or something and passed out or something. He goes, I just threw a towel on him. And I said, hey, when you're you're done throwing up over there, you know, wipe yourself off and get back in this drill. And it might not be for everybody, but I think sometimes we do need that. We do need that person that says, hey, you're being too easy on yourself, you know? Like, we do need someone (laughs) to give us a kick in the butt. I, I think that's huge. I think speaking on, we're, we're living in a generation where we are afraid to, we're afraid to, to upset one another. We're yes. afraid to um, rock the boat. But, but the reality is, and that's why I love sports so much, is the ball doesn't care what your feelings are. You're either going to hit it or you're not going to hit it. <laughs> It's so true. <laughs> and so we, we're preparing a generation of, of young athletes that, you know, hey, it's okay. Hey, you know, take another cut. Hey, do another round. But, you know, when you step into the batter's box, the game is still the same. You still get three strikes. There isn't a, hey, three strikes. Oh, I'm crying. No, I'll go, you know, get back in there and take some more. And, you know, go to the bench and now you got to cry. Yeah. And you got to be upset until the next eight batters come around. And what you do in the next eight batters is going to determine how amazing or not amazing that you display your skills and then take that over the course of, hey, let's get back to the weight room. Let's get back to the gym. Let's get back into practice. And, and it's just really interesting where, you know, like I said, we're in a point where it's, it's not being, it's not me being mean, but I want to be truthful to you i i'm trying to let you know what the truth is and you have to we have to start to work with a generation that has to learn how to digest that information properly versus you know just throw up in my face Mm. highlight it (laughs) Uh, yeah another highlighter it just well i just think about like the next eight batters just think about the rapid fire uh, uh transformation that has to occur in that time frame whereas here's something I always say um, in business. I'm like, look, you know what? Take your five minutes. If you need your five minutes, five, just don't milk it for 365 days. And, oh, you know, like just don't milk it. And that's what happens in, in sports. I think that's such a great analogy because fine, you know what? You need to go cry it out. You need to go have a pity party. You need to feel down on yourself. You need to feel sorry for yourself. Fine. Just take your five minutes. But get back in the game. We, the ball doesn't care if you have feelings. You know, your at bat doesn't care if you have feelings. It's everyone else's life goes on, and we have to take that same approach. And unfortunately, we've, you know, good times, great weak men, and we've so we've, the, we've lived in a lot of them. The the issue is we're we're removing failure, and and for whatever reason, <laughs> um, it almost became, you know, like okay, I don't want my kids to fail. And it was like this noble thing. Like I remember all my friends saying, you know, I'm going to make a million dollars because I'm going to give my kid everything that he didn't, that I didn't have. And and the more I looked at it, I said, you know what? We we can't remove failure. Failure is is such a driving force. It's it's everything that we need. Without that failure, without that honest look at failure, we're never, ever going to be able to, to, to improve. And like with, Raiders recent camp that he went to was so fascinating because these kids are all um, I don't want to strike out I don't want to strike out 
and he, the, I remember the coach stopping everybody because the moment they strike out, they change their swing. The swing that has proven so effective off the tee and in batting practice, and, and they found a lot of success with it. But the moment that they strike out in the next eight batters, and all they could do is dwell on how embarrassed they are and how they didn't do. So they get back in the batter's box mm -hmm. and they're just, they haven't figured out how to process that failure. And the coach said, listen, the best hitter in the game right now, you put him up to bat a thousand times and he's going to strike out 700 of them. Yep. And you could see the face on all of these kids go 700. And he goes, yep. yeah, and he's considered one of the best in the game. Yep. And so having, being able to temper failure into these kids is a huge missing part of, of what we're not doing. We, we have to be able to let them fail, and we have to be, be there to mentor them as they, they process this information. Man, you're right. We we could talk about that. We could have a whole other hour just talking about that. That's a whole. I, I kept thinking of that uh, Christian television show, Seven Hundred Club, and I started <laughs> like that's the Seven Hundred Club. Like, you know, you're you're talking about the the guys that strike out seven hundred times out of a thousand at bats, and they're the best of the best. Well, and we miss that. Oh. Because we're living in, we're peering into a world on our little phones every day where we, you know, comparing ourselves to everyone's highlight reel. And we think we have to, you know, to uh, to hit a home run every time. Well, Don Larson did one of the most incredible things in all of sports. Yep. All of sports. <laughs> one of the most incredible things. He pitched a perfect game in the World Series, in the 1956 World Series. That's probably right up there top three, right? Yeah. But guess what? He had a losing record as a pitcher. Yeah. Lost more yeah. games than he won. He's remembered for that one day, and he said, you know what? God shone on me that day. He's like, it was my time, and God just said, that's what you're going to, you know, that's that's your thing. But he goes, to this day, 50 years later, I, I think about it sometimes twice a day, every single day. <laughs> so there are our moments, but we're here for longevity. We're here to essentially, you know, Raph, is I love, <clears throat> I love sports, and in business— and certainly with my kids, and you know, it's almost to ad nauseum. I talk about sports analogies. I there's yeah. there's just you can't so take the sports much. reporter out of you, and and that's another fear. <laughs> and maybe we maybe we come back at another time with Raf and just get into this. Is yeah. when we are not when we these kids are staying home playing video games, and we're not getting them in team sports or individual sports oh. early on. Where is the next generation of leadership going to come from? If you look at the people in the House of Representatives in the Senate, or if you look at people, the, tycoon, the tycoons of business, I, I would venture to say, male or female, young or old, most of them played competitive sports when they were younger. And, and yeah, that's, where they, that's where they learn these valuable lessons that Raf is talking about right now, how to lose and come back from it, how to not, how to not you know, go to the bench and sulk, but come back and win. So... Just, we're going to have you back because that's a whole other thing. <laughs> we're just, we're just going to keep going and then we'll go into next week with Raf because he's that good. You just provided so much more value than uh, what your resume gives us. You know, the, the bio that I read in the beginning, you know, you obviously know that you're an unbelievably credible um, and valuable asset in the sports world with strength and conditioning and all the things that you bring to the table. But man, just the, the mental, um, the mental strength and conditioning that you provide for your clients and for all of us here and the listeners today uh really you know gave me a lot of turned on moments i know that like there's just so many moments of you know the light switch being flipped on 
and thinking, gosh, that just applies to everything. So Raph, we're just so grateful um, for you bringing your, the value and your gifts here today because you're certainly operating in them. And that to me, when I see people operating in their gift, it is a true um, indication of how much you trust God and um, with, your, with the ability that he's given you. And that's, that's pretty darn cool. Um, Raph, where, where can they find you? Like, I mean, if there's people that are local to you, I'm sure there'd be ways that they can uh, maybe get in touch if they need to. But where can they find you uh, virtually, physically, not to track you down or anything, but just well, <laughs> just to find the out more about you? The easiest way would be social media. Um, we, we run a program called Athlete ASAP. Uh, we put all of our content out there because I, I'm a firm believer, you know, learn from our mistakes, learn from what we're doing well, learn from what we what we screwed up on. Um, you can also look up, uh, for all of you guys with, with kiddos, um, we, we made a page for Raider. So it's Raider, um, I think, underscore, something like that, R8R Ruiz. And um, all of it, it's literally we film him going through all the workouts because we wanted we wanted other kids to see that, hey, you know, there, there, there's other 10-year-olds that can do exactly, you can do exactly what these other 10-year-olds are doing. And just just as much, with, you know, it's for the parents. So the parents have, for the last 10 years, and be like, hey, what do I do with my, my daughter or my son? And I'm like, you know what? We're just going to film what we do every day. Like today we went to the pool and, and we worked on calming your mind. So mm. we had Raider do some them grab a brick off the bottom of the pool and even though you may feel like you're drowning even though you may feel like you know you need oxygen right at that immediate point what you're going to do is you're going to develop confidence that, that you have time you have time and you'll come up and 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 what we find is the athletes all of a sudden it's their first day doing it and and they're panicking they're freaking out and and, you know, by, by halfway through the session and, and easily into the next couple of water comp sessions, the athletes are like, you know what, I, I can do this. I can hold my breath and I can come up smoothly, calmly and gently, not panicking, not freaking out. And wow. it's just one of those things like, you know, Eastern philosophy always tells you, you know, you learn how to meditate lying still. Then you learn how to meditate sitting and then you learn how to meditate through movement and then you learn how to meditate in chaos and so one of those things we filmed it today it's like hey here's here's a 10 year old plucking up a brick off of the bottom of the deep end of the pool and and he's staying calm cool and collected and and there's no doubt in my mind that that's going to pay off not just in sports but his ability to go you know what somebody's making him angry out you know at the park or somebody's you know really quote unquote pissed him off and okay Raider just take a big deep breath calm your soul all right now go ahead and make a cool collective decision so good really good so you can check us out on any of those and um, and um, if, if not you can email me at raf at athleteasap.com Raf thank you so much we're um, eternally grateful for everything that you shared here today and um, this evergreen podcast that will live forever because it needs to be uh, something that I feel is a timeless, timeless piece of uh, treasure uh, for people to remind themselves that what they're capable of doing for the long term. Thanks for turning us on. Well, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate everything that you guys are doing. See you soon, brother. See you soon, Dave.